0: Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
1: So I don't need to do the theme song anymore because you already made it.
0: No, you can do a new theme song every time if you want.
1: What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. And today, we are discussing pain and glory.
0: Dolor y Gloria. Don't do that. Pedro Almodovar. <laughs> Antonio Banderas.
1: You've actually been always really good with accents and character voices. I'm
0: Mexican. Impressions.
1: What does that have to do with anything?
0: Actually, nothing, because they're Spanish, not Mexican. Uh, within my range.
1: Pain and glory got a grip of Goya awards. What's a Goya
0: award? Goya is the Spanish Oscars.
1: Is that like the bomb?
0: I it doesn't really register. There are a few, only a few big ones, right? Oscars, Golden Globes, which don't count. Um, Caesars are French. Um, Berlin has to go. The Bear, a Golden Bear, I think. Yeah. But Goya's. We don't get a lot of Spanish cinema here. I don't feel like. Um, Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas has said that he he came to Hollywood and he did this for a long time, and then he went back to Spain, and he hadn't worked with with Pedro Almodovar in, in like 18 years until the skin I live in.
1: I didn't really know much about Pain and Glory, um, but the thing you know that I knew about and what gave it credibility for me was the fact that Almodovar had directed it. And yet, now that I look at his filmography, I don't see a ton of stuff that I've seen before, so why do I know him? Why is Almodovar an entertainment household name?
0: Certainly in Spain he is. He's an institution in Spain, and a lot of his movies have carried over because of their renown in Spain. Pain and Glory is no exception. It's been around for almost a year, just about a year now, and it didn't hit theaters in in America until October and picked up a little bit of steam with Oscar recognition for Antonio Banderas for actor, but he's been you know, uh, an award staple for most of his movies. Almodovar's name was the reason I saw, we saw, The Skin I Live In together. A little bit awkward.
1: We saw that together? Yeah. When? Since when do we go see movies in the theater together?
0: Since before kids. At least, The
1: Skin I Live In came out in 2011.
0: Yeah, that was a long time ago.
1: Yeah. So I would have been 20.
0: Whatever, yeah. I think I was in my late teens. <laughs>
1: Okay. So we watched Pain and Glory. So let's talk about, I think that this is a movie we can break down technically, unless you want to jump into story.
0: Um, Well, I guess preface it by saying I didn't know anything about the movie going in. Did you?
1: No. Other than the fact that Antonio Banderas was nominated for a best actor.
0: Right. I didn't know that this movie was autobiographical. Uh-huh. Is it, so is it autobiographical? It is. It's, it's the character that Antonio de Banderas plays is based on Pedro Almodovar. Now, there's so basically
1: this is like Almodovar's answer to Roma?
0: Yeah. But, this, yes, you know. this was his more personal film. Um, he's made other films. Uh, I think Volver uh, was his most personal film, as I understand it. And then he made, of course, All About My Mother, which was all about his mother.
1: He's got some mom issues because that makes its way into uh, Pain and Glory, too. So, okay, you didn't know that it was autobiographical.
0: Nope. And
1: and you figured it out by watching it or research?
0: After the fact.
1: Okay, so you watched it and you were like, that was a very specific, intimate story. And then you read it, that it was autobiographical.
0: I had inklings, but the way the film wraps up. I started to understand. Okay, maybe this is not about a filmmaker, but rather he's breaking the breaking the fourth wall, doing the thing with the boom mic and Penelope Cruz and the actor who plays the little boy. Um, You know, though that wasn't much of a twist. I
1: was pretty relieved when I found out that that was uh, what was the name of the film? The film within the film? The first uh, temptation? The first desire?
0: Yeah, first desire.
1: Okay, so when they revealed it, I was like, okay, not really a meaningful twist, but I was really relieved because Penelope Cruz is like so beautiful that I was like, she just, you can't cast her as like village mom, village marm.
0: Yeah. She also doesn't jive with the older version of the mom. Obviously everyone ages, but did you ever get a vibe that
1: I I never, yeah, I looked at the old woman. I was like, that's supposed to be Penelope Cruz. That is
0: word for word. What Kelly said, she's like, she's supposed to be Penelope Cruz, but you were relieved. I was super apprehensive and I was ready to bristle. I was like, we are not doing this thing where th- his whole childhood has been a facade, or uh, a, a film um, that he's directing. I was pretty annoyed when they panned back and I was like, what is this? She's holding a boom mic. I, I, I'm enraged when they do this stylistic stuff uh, where they pull back the curtain, so to speak, and then they cut. And, and it went to black and the credits rolled. And I was like, okay. So that twist or reveal annoyed you? It, it, it was about to. I was about to be mad. Because if we were going to lapse into silly territory where this was going to be some kind of meta film within a film stuff, I was going to be upset. As it was, I, it didn't sit very well with me, but I accept it for what it was. And I can understand why that brief glimpse of a few seconds um, was justifiable
1: brief glimpse of a few seconds of, of the scene of, of the, the of the boom mic girl oh, okay
0: and the fact that the penelope cruz and the boy who was supposed to be him and his mother showed that he was now returning to filmmaking got it and this was maybe all all we had seen all along was maybe the film that brought him back
1: i thought that you were you were going to say that the brief glimpse and moment of the naked dude was all
0: that you needed uh no I did yell out wiener and balls (laughs) when it came on the screen.
1: Well, you had, he had to go full, not full frontal, but he had to like reveal that. Otherwise, like if he didn't see the bits, what would he be
0: excited about? The bits. Um, I don't know. So we followed his childhood for a good long time. And ultimately I didn't know how much that impacted his later life. Yes, we have reverence for, he has reverence for his mom, but I was waiting for us to be informed on how he, all these health issues hit him. Uh, when he sort of ran away and ran up the stairs and was defiant because he didn't want to go to the seminary, I said out loud, please don't throw yourself down the stairs. Like what hurts his back so that he has all these chronic, all this chronic pain, right? Um, what yeah, they hap- seem to suggest that it was... Um... I don't think he was sick. I think it was in his head. Well, he definitely had a scar. And granted, it could have been that he, well, he was choking, but they found a discernible lump in his throat that they attributed to the bone protrusion, which they presumably fixed, and he was better, right? But when he was floating in the pool, he had a scar. And I thought it was a chest scar. I think it was on his back because of a spinal issue.
1: Yeah. So why did he, when he uh, broke the surface, when he breached the surface, how come he wasn't breathing hard?
0: Because he was... He was under there for, like, minutes. You can train yourself. Margot Robbie did it.
1: Yeah, and then you come up gasping because you haven't breathed for five minutes.
0: I don't know, because it looked good.
1: Stylistic choice? There's not... Like taking a breath underwater in Judy?
0: There's definitely a lot of stylistic elements.
1: These little moments, like, build, and you just... You lose credibility as you go. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think that that's how it works for me. I think that... As the movie progresses, the more of these kinds of moments there are, the more credibility it loses for me and then the more I distrust it.
0: There are tricks that they're employing, right? And I guess in a graduate sense, him being under the water was indicative of of all everything that was, you know, filling his life, all the pain and how he was buried or whatever the case. But I, I think anyone, any frame of this movie could have been like a painting and i can't say diego rivera because he's mexican but do you know know what i mean it's infused with color it's deliberately staged it's lit so that there's the contrast and everything and it, it all looks very picturesque and it all looks cinematic in an international sense
1: it looks cinematic and beautiful in the sense, in every sense except for the direction
0: so you feel like the direction was pedestrian
1: so boring.
0: Really? The whole movie was boring? I
1: mean, the the direction of it was just um it felt TV movie-ish. Like there's a scene where like he's walking his mom down the hallway like let's take a walk. Yeah. And it's like a two it's like a wide two medium wide two shot and he just like holds on it. Like it was kind of indicative of the whole thing where it's like wide shot, close up, close up, like wide shot coverage, inserts, like very basic filmmaking.
0: Interesting, cuz I just sort of gave it a pass because of They're styles that just don't typically represent American commercial movies. Um, It's a very languid, sort of relaxed style that doesn't lend itself to, I'm preparing myself to be judged by my peers in this fast-paced Hollywood system kind of vibe. I get that this is a portrait, an autobiographical portrait, but we didn't know that going in. So in judging this movie critically based on the technical aspect of it, you can point to Issues that you had with the direction, but storytelling is sort of where my focus will go. Okay. Let's talk about this review Um, we spent a lot of time with the with the little boy and I don't feel I never really felt like that jibed It felt like a separate set of characters rather than him as a child with his mother Every time I saw the kid on screen, I had to remind myself. Okay. This is not another character This is supposed to be salvador when he's young yeah, And you would think that the all the flashbacks to his childhood would pay off. And I don't know that they ever did, aside from the fact that we culminate in The First Desire. Which leads me to think that the entire series of flashbacks was, in fact, the film that he was shooting about it was. his childhood. Right, right. That's, but that's not revealed. That's a little bit of a cheat, and a cheat that only hits you after the fact. Right. right? And it so... It sort of validates, in a way, my feelings at the end. But I didn't feel cheated at the time. I was just waiting for it to connect, and it never really did.
1: Yeah. This movie is, storytelling-wise, very compartmentalized, and the compartments don't necessarily need to impact each other.
0: Excellent word. Um, I would di- I would argue to differ, is that, a, is that a praise? Because the compartmentalization is the issue that I had the most with the movie. When you're telling an autobiographical story or a biographical story, you have to tell it in a way that's compelling narratively. Just because it's accurate doesn't mean it's good. We delve deeply into the story of him and the troubled relationship that he has with the actor. Alberto. Uh huh. And that takes up, that dominates pretty much half of the movie. Alberto uh, finally gets him to relent and hand over the script uh, of addiction, which he turns into a stage play. And then A
1: one man stage play uh-huh.
0: and that serves to introduce Federico
1: who is so charming,
0: the lover. And then we never see Alberto again. Right. And that bothered me.
1: Yeah. Because it's all compartmentalized. What bothered me too was how convenient it is. This film is full of convenient plot devices. One, the staging of addiction conveniently is set up for Federico to just happen upon as he passes through Madrid two, he um, gets a mailer for the watercolor. That is of him. Yep. These uh, convenient plot devices build up and take me out of the film, decrease credibility and make
0: the whole thing feel convenient. So the convenient connections that you're talking about, which did tie these elements of story together, um, the, the mailer that he received, which leads him to the gallery, which leads him to the memory of how his first desire drew the picture of him, right? Right. All that stuff felt tenuous to you, but that was the only threads keeping those disparate stories and compartments together. So you can
1: feel the crafting happening. You can say, you can see he's got okay, I want to tell this story and this story and this story, and I'll just kind of conveniently stitch them together. Okay.
0: I did have issues with the compartmentalization, but I felt like I was grasping on those connections to justify my concerns. But maybe we're talking about the same thing. Maybe you're talking about how it stood out to you, how convenient all these things were. And I was complaining about how in the the overarching story, these four compartmentalized pieces struggled to exist. Interesting, but I did like things about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the Alberto character. Um, I didn't like him at first. He's kind of scummy looking, and he's got heroin all over the place. And he's, you know, obviously And we set the tone with a difficult relationship between the two of them, and they get into a fight over the Q&A uh, on speakerphone. And, <laughs> and then when he finally convinces him and he gets on stage, it was transformative like I thought that guy was a really good actor yeah I thought that it was a testament to his ability to be a scummy bathrobe wearing dude that gets on stage and then blows it out of the water and granted he was sitting way too close to those people sure um but and and the but the movie in close-up on his face tearing up and struggling not to cry was really effective
1: even with Antonio Banderas character, having given him that direction, that a person that an actor who, um, an actor is someone who's trying not to cry
0: is the most effective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was something that was, a that's a belief also carried by Almodovar. You never go full crying. So the Alberto character was really effective and I thought, that as complex as that character may be, this guy deserves a place in this movie, and then he promptly disappeared. Yeah. Very frustrating. Right. So in a way, I think that if I were if I had produced this movie and directed this movie or written this movie, which I didn't, I might have combined those two characters. I might have combined Alberto and Federico.
1: The lover,
0: uh huh. In that he has a relationship with this actor who convinces him to separate himself and allow his work to stand on its own, and that would reforge, rekindle their relationship from the past. They would they would bypass all this complicated uh, history. His play would be a success. They would find common ground again in their artistry, and then would reconnect romantically Hmm. or whatever because the replacement of the of the alberto character with the federico character was jarring and disappointing Mm -hmm. and while both of those guys were good actors um that compartmentalization showed well
1: that certainly appeals to me from an efficiency standpoint and i could see how it would be more even more gratifying i guess to see them reconnect
0: that leads me to the point that autobiographical filmmaking it doesn't have to be
1: complete, True, completely accurate.
0: literal. It has to be, you're right. Um, some dramatic license can be taken, and that dramatic license should lend itself to a narrative flow that feels comprehensive and satisfying. Right. Because when we lose characters and never address them again, oh, but that was just a different part of my life. Right. Well, in a fictional storytelling, we can make that a part of a larger picture because any one of these stories is more like a snapshot of a life. We get the sense of Salvador as a young boy, and he never ages in the course of that. It happens in a relatively short amount of time. Ditto for Salvador as an adult. All of the, all, Everything that happens happens in the space of, what, a few months?
1: No, a few years, because remember, they flash back to him caring for his mom. Yes,
0: yeah, so that, again, it feels like a compartmentalized thing. It feels like a completely different thing, as right. though there are several short stories put together.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you call them short stories because that's essentially what he was writing. Right after he dropped out of his film career, he just he was still creative and he was still wrote, but he basically wrote these short stories or that or addiction, which was adapted into a one man play slash monologue. Um, they do feel short story esque, which is probably reflective of what his his creative um, where his creativity took him after after some real success as a filmmaker.
0: So it's pretty clear what our issues were with the film that gave us some reservations, but I do I think there's a lot of good here that's worth mining for. Antonio Banderas, who who is a good actor that I didn't expect. He came here and we get Zorro and we get Puss in Boots and we get Interview with the Vampire and Once Upon a Time El Mariachi and Once Upon a Time in Mexico and and Desperado and stuff and he was pretty much an act, he's an expendable for God's sake. Um, But he was an action star here. And then to return to Spain and to star in an Almodovar movie where he got his start and play a very subdued, reserved, almost repressed uh, character. Depressed. Depressed. And and were a lot in his face, a lot of close-ups in this movie. There was a lot of great subtlety to his performance. I
1: I love the way he approached heroin for the first time.
0: Just kind of cavalier?
1: Just like he's like, have you ever done it before? And he was like... No. And I feel like that's the way it happens.
0: Um, I guess.
1: By the uh, way, have you tried heroin? No. And if you were to try, have you tried any drugs? No. And if you were to try a drug, what drug would it be?
0: Heroin. I, I no, just the addictive pop. Hands properties. down Why? heroin. Why? That killed Lane Staley. It killed Kirk Cobain more or less.
1: I mean, just one. Just, you can just try it once.
0: No, that's the problem. I don't it killed Scott Wyland. I don't think you can just start try it once. So you'd never try it? Um, I just feel like it's not worth it. Coke. I'm not searching for the thing that will change my life and make me feel better. I'm not trying to escape the deep seated pain. I have food for that.
1: Isn't heroin an appetite
0: suppressor? I don't know. Nobody no fat heroin addicts have overdosed, <laughs> as far as I know, unless they're doing it wrong from the outset. But Antonio Banderas had, he brought to this role um, a personal aspect. He had a heart attack a few years ago, which I didn't know about. Oh, really? Uh huh. And because he hasn't been super in the spotlight in American movies for a little bit, he's sort of aged out of the action role and aged right into the Expendables role. But that was his sort of niche. And he hasn't found his place yet in American cinema as an older Mm -hmm. actor in the way that uh, Renee Zellweger has done recently for Judy, but this one might be the role. And certainly he received recognition from the American Academy for Pain and Glory for his role, but it's a completely different Antonio Banderas. And this may be controversial, but I will say that Antonio Banderas is a, maybe I haven't, I'm not being fair because I haven't seen him in this type of role before, Mm -hmm. but I think he's a better actor in his native language in the same way that Shakira is a much better singer in Spanish than she is in English. <laughs> just the phrasing is different. She's more natural. She's more confident, and it comes across. And I think her voice is suited uh, better for Spanish well, than it is for English.
1: more natural. He reminds me of a um, Spanish Gary Oldman.
0: Uh okay. I felt like Antonio Banderas in America is sort of one note. He's the action uh, star under lowered brow. Who Unfortunately,
1: just, he kind of has to play the like the. Um, the uh, token, you know, Spanish character.
0: In American movies? Yeah. Yeah, but he's assassins. He's been uh, Zorro a number of times and he's romantic and he's Antonio Banderas and he's not bad at all, you know, and he's just, <laughs> he does the intense Latin Ricky Ricardo type. Yeah. But it's one note. Yeah. And he's definitely not a one note actor. No, especially when he can inhabit a role like he does here with a director that he knows very well yeah. um, in his native country, in his native language.
1: He was so lovely and fragile with Federico.
0: Yeah. And, and so that speaks to Antonio Banderas's range, which we hadn't, I don't, I feel, I feel like I'd never fully appreciated,
1: but you know what I didn't like about his role or maybe it was just the character. Is like, I have a real hard time with like modeling characters who are like all bummed out for the first half or two-thirds of the movie. And I'm just like, dude, just like pull yourself up, get it together, and get going.
0: Man, somebody's never had to deal with depression.
1: And sometimes this will happen in television shows where they're like, we're going to take three or four episodes, and this person is just going to be really bummed out. And I'm like, oh, here we go.
0: You mean the entirety of Rent the musical? Horrible. Sorry.
1: You know what musical I hate? What? La La Land.
0: I also hate La La Land.
1: Really? Uh Uh-huh.
0: When you compare La La Land to Dam- and Damien Chazelle, who just who just came off of Whiplash, you're like, what the hell is this? I know.
1: Whiplash was so good.
0: Yeah. And La La Land's so not good.
1: Not good. Wow. <sighs> I really didn't expect you to hate that movie as much as I did.
0: Hated it. That's weird. Yeah. So, so maybe he chose his male muse in Antonio Banderas to represent his life in his arguably most autobiographical film. I don't know how much... Uh, How many autobiographical elements were in his other films? Certainly, they were there, especially about his mother. Uh, So then Almodovar talked about how he didn't realize when putting this movie together that he would have to spend the next 18 months or so talking about himself and his personal life. In promoting the film? in, uh In interviews. And so that was a byproduct that he didn't anticipate. But he's worked with Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz a lot and maybe no better people. No more fitting people to play him and his mother, respectively. But just in putting a movie together like this, I feel like he should have seen the issues in streamlining. And each of the vignettes, actually kind of my least favorite, was his mother, who we had sort of found the end of our use for. Him uh, you know, relating to his mother in his formative years was not the same as caring for his mother and, and trying to carry out her final wishes. Um, it was more about him just trying to apologize for being not the son that she always wanted, which is difficult. But I don't feel like it was a necessary component. I liked uh, the child growing up in the cave and kind of trying to find himself. I liked uh, certainly liked him and Alberto hashing out their you know their qualms about working together professionally. and I liked his interaction with Federico. When he finally showed up for that relatively limited interaction, the fact that he was in pain most of the time and the fact that he, had, he was severely addicted to drugs um, kind of, you know, colored all of those things, but not in a way that informed them enough to justify those four disparate parts sort of being in the same movie. Yeah, I'm, looking,
1: I'm totally looking for a through line. And for a moment, I thought maybe drugs. Was it but it, it, it wasn't a part of his childhood.
0: So what Kelly had pointed out was the informational part in the talking about uh, how he was raised for his singing voice and foster his singing voice was fostered. And as a result, he became a dum-dum because nobody fostered his education. Uh, he was totally lapsed in his studies of geography and anatomy. You remember all that?
1: Yeah, but then was, then he was a smart kid who was a tutor.
0: Right, and so Kelly said, "I didn't. I like this movie. I didn't feel like that part was necessary, and it maybe is necessary in the fact that it is an additional component of the childhood story, the movie that he was telling about his childhood. But that is not that mo- this movie in whole. That's only in part. Right, and so." the elements that he chose to represent in a comprehensive movie about his life spanning decades, maybe didn't mesh together as well as I would have liked. Yeah. Still, all the other elements of this movie were convincing to me in a framework that didn't quite hold it up. It was like one of those picture frames uh, where it's matted uh, for for you and it has the little cutouts and some of them are square and one of them is oval for some reason. And um, you put the pictures in together and they're meant to represent a whole, but they can, you know, they're just pictures from wherever. Right. And and not uh, tied together by a unifying theme or whatever that would justify them being in this one frame. I did though. I liked it. I think this movie was an all right movie. What's your scale again? My scale is nope. And whatever and those are below the line above the line for a passable movie are that movie was all right or totally you should totally go see that movie so and on that scale it'd be maybe a three out of four a lot of good stuff about it but some of the things that held it back in just the way that the story was told um, by piecing these components together uh, not terribly effectively
1: does your line represent recommendation not recommendation yes so this is a recommended movie.
0: Yes, but it's not a, it's not essential viewing. If you like Almodovar's films, I don't think you'll be disappointed. If you like Antonio Banderas, I, don't th- I can't see how you would be disappointed. Um, very pretty to look at. Um, it's it sustained my interest all the way through. Most of my reservations and questions came after the fact.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, my scale is a little bit more brutal.
0: But you didn't like it. You got to say it. You set yourself up in this rating system.
1: Yeah, which I kind of regret. Say it. Boring. This is like so wrong that because I don't think that whatever should be a part of your skill, because that's the name of our podcast. But it was kind of a whatever movie.
0: I mean, look, we've been reviewing award season movies, but I think by and large, most movies are whatever. And that's and there's the dirt and there's a whole lot of dirt. More it's really
1: hard to make a movie.
0: More of the earth is made from dirt than diamonds, unless you go down to the core. But there's so much dirt to sift through so that when you find diamonds, you treasure them.
1: Was that a, is that a Wesley original? Yes. It's pretty good. Thanks. Although, you know, you know how diamonds are formed, right? Incredible amounts of pressure.
0: Yeah. And that's pressure of the suckage all around them.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, you heard it. And uh, I, I, we had a lot more to say about Pain and Glory than I thought we would. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what we got. Um, let me know what you got. Eight one eight eight three five zero four seven three. Leave us a voicemail or whatever. Movies at gmail dot com, because um, yeah, I want I mean, sp-
0: Of of our thousands of Patreon supporters <laughs> and millions of <laughs> listeners, we've only received you know we've received relatively few, uh you know, and don't be intimidated. We do want to hear from you because we love you.
1: We do. We love you. We thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. This is our app on Pain and Glory. We'll see you next time.
0: Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind,
1: body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert.
0: And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound.